G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Wouldn't a loving father do whatever it takes to get you to come home without violating your freedom? Hi and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today it's a new message in our Paradigm series about those things on which we may need to shift our thinking. From Luke chapter 15, Pastor Jeff brings us a message about running from God, about wanting everything God blesses us with, but not wanting to devote our lives to Him. They say that if you had a Bible and all the pages were ripped out and the only thing left were the words of Luke 15 starting around verse 11, You, in essence, would have the message Jesus came to bring. That's all you'd need. This is Today with Jeff Vines. All right, Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. All right. I was reading the story this past week. Trusted source. Little boy, two years old. His name is Frankie. Remember that. Two years old, Frankie. His mom's got her eye on him. He goes over, so it's going to take him a while. He's a little boy, two years old, Frankie. He goes over and he gets a chair and pulls it over to the window, looking out of the living room of the family home. He gets up on the stool, took him a bit, two years old now. He's got his arms crossed looking out the window. He's in between the window and the curtain, so the curtain and his little white legs are protruding out, and then the the seat and Frankie and the window. His mom's just watching. What's what's my two-year-old son going to do here? She listens. It takes a while. Finally, Frankie, two years old, crosses his arms, looks out the window and says, Frankie, you got to get out of here. (laughs) This story in Luke 15, they say that if you had a Bible and all the pages were ripped out and the only thing left were the words of Luke 15, starting around verse 11, You, in essence, would have the message Jesus came to bring. That's all you'd need. And we get it all muddied, get it confused. And so I'm asking you that if you're here for the first time this weekend, and maybe you've been away from the church and away from God for a while, that you would kind of put out all your presuppositions and all this stuff that you've learned about our faith over the, you know, around the corners, around the edges, that you would allow God to just condense it for you and to recall or to help you remember that all of this other stuff sometimes that you hear is extra stuff, but this is the core of the message Jesus came to bring because it's about a son who goes to his father and he wants to get out of the house pretty badly. So badly, he wants to get out from the roof of his father. He's so intent that he says something that no son would have done in the first century and lived to tell about it. Jesus says there's a father who has an older son and a younger son. Younger son comes to the father and this is what he says in verse 12. Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. Now, when the Western mindset reads that, they don't think anything of it, or at least not much of it. But the Eastern mind, 
They know how to interpret this. The audience to whom Jesus was speaking, they would have already been gnashing their teeth with anger. What? What son would, as a matter of fact, they would think that's an unbelievable story. I don't believe that, Jesus. That story would never happen. Because in essence, what the son is saying to the father is this. Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you had no effect or impact on my life. I want you to go away. I want to live my life as if you do not exist, but give me my inheritance first, and then I want to live my life as if you do not exist. I don't want to work on the family farm. I don't want to be part of the family business. I don't want to generate revenue for the family. I just want what's rightfully mine because of my name, and then I want to go out and live as if you have no claim on my life. Dad, I want you to die. Now, Jesus' audience, they're ticked, and they think, oh boy, he's going to get it. But then... Jesus tells the story, and it's like, as astonishing as that is, what's even more astonishing is the way the father responds to the younger son. He doesn't banish him. He doesn't call Vinny and Rufus to take him around the woodshed and teach him some manners and respect. He simply takes, the father does, what will sustain him in his old age, what he's worked for all his life, and he freely hands it over to the son. Now time out just a moment. You don't have to be a rocket science to know this parable is about a father and the father represents God. Now, I want you to hear me. This is so crucial because I think this right, right up top will help you understand so many things that are cloudy in your life about God and your prayers, especially when you pray for a son or daughter to come to God and it doesn't happen. What's wrong with God or a wife or a husband or a family member? And you're thinking, I'm praying hard. Let me, t- let me explain something to you. Hear this. If you are intent about living away from God, God will not stop you. If you really want to live away from God, he is not going to stop you. Because the universe in which he has established has as its highest value, love. And in order for genuine or authentic love to exist, here's what has to happen. He's got to give you freedom to receive or to reject or to choose that love. I've said it a thousand times. You can force a woman to do a lot of things, but you can never force a woman to love you. That must be given freely. So here's what you do. You pray for somebody to come to God, to turn their life around, and you get mad at God because it doesn't happen. Here's what happens in your prayer. James 5, 16 says, the effective prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It releases God's energy. So when you pray, God starts immediately to work on that person's heart. But in the end, the decision will be totally and completely theirs. The son wants his freedom. And in the parable, Jesus is trying to make life simple. You make it too hard. It comes down to this. You've got one of two choices in your life. One, you choose to live at home with the father. Or two, you choose to live in a distant land away from the father. That's the simplicity of life. Now, one more thing. Why does the son want to leave home? Why does any son or daughter want to leave home? Freedom, right? I want to do what I want to do, and mom and dad are not going to tell me what to do anymore. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Two things, just quickly, then I'll go through the story. Number one, my basketball buddies, my golfing buddies in college and in high school always gave me the same conversation. It was this. At first, well, Jeff, I don't want to do that because what about all the pain and suffering in the world? Where's God then? And what about the Bible? How can I trust that's really the word of God? And we go through all these arguments, but none of that really mattered. It took a long time to get to what the real issue is, and it's this. I don't want anybody telling me how to live my life, and that includes God. I want to live as if the Father does not exist. Now, here's what's ironic about that. 
We don't like, my friends never like the boundaries, but they applied those same boundaries to somebody else when if somebody else crossed those boundaries, it affected their life negatively. Now, stay with me. One of my favorite stories around CCV is a story I read in an international newspaper about an Italian truck driver who drove his truck up and down the streets of Rome. And a friend of his said, man, I got to tell you something. There is a brothel up in the northern part of the city. The next time you have a delivery up there, you visit this brothel and you ask for this lady by this name and she will fulfill your heart's desire. She will take you to places you've never been. This guy just gets all excited. He says, man, I can't. And it's four days until he has a delivery up in the northern part of the city. He goes up to the brothel. Four days later, he walks in. He asks for this specific lady by name. He opens the door and discovers that woman is his wife. The international newspaper said he was livid with rage. It took four or five men to get him out of her before he killed her. Interesting, isn't it? It's okay for him to pursue that lifestyle, but it's not okay for his wife to provide it. You see what I mean? We all invoke the moral law when it's to our benefit. The second thing is this. Whatever happened to to understanding that all restrictions aren't bad? I tell my son Delaney not to play in the street when he's two years old. Why? Because I want to be the big, bad, cosmic boss? No, because I love him. I want him to prosper. I want him to have a successful life. So my restrictions are for his protection and prosperity. Now, if there's that big a difference between me and my son, how much more the difference between God and me? Can God give us some restrictions based and motivated out of, our, out of his love for you and me? That, Jeff, I know the best way to live life on this planet. I kind of know because I made it. This whole creation scenario, it's mine. And I know that if you live here in this manner, you're going to have a prosperous and a joyful life. That's why G.K. Chesterton said, we're like little children out in the street. Our daddy said, don't play in the road. We played in the road. We got hit by a car. Then we ran in and said, dad, how could you do this to me? Malcolm Mugger says, before you remove a fence, perhaps it's best to ask why the fence was placed there in the first place. That's all I'm saying. Isn't it possible that God could be motivated out of love and that to fight them, to fight them could bring you to ruin? Now, here's what happens to the young son. He doesn't want to live under the restrictions of his father because he doesn't see those restrictions being motivated by love, but a power. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, so he's got the cash in his pocket, traveled to a distant country, and squandered the property in dissolute living. Man, don't you know he felt great when he walked out of town. Now, you have to understand something. Again, the Eastern mind gets this. We struggle with it in the West. As soon as he left home, he had to also leave town and his entire community and maybe his nation. Why? Because he's told the father he wishes he was dead. He said, I, I, don't, want your, I don't want to be around you. I want you to die. And then in Jewish terminology, all the money that he spends is going to be spent among the Gentiles. So in effect, he's taking his father's inheritance from the Jewish people or the nation of Israel and giving it to another culture. He can't stay in town. But as he leaves, he's got the money in his pocket. Can you imagine how he felt? I'm free, free at last. My dad can't tell me what to do anymore. Off with the chains, off with the restrictions, off with dad's head. He's not around to tell me what I can or cannot do, and it's going to be living high on the hog. We're going to talk about the hog later, and it ain't high. <laughs> this is 25 years of ministry talking. Please listen carefully. Don't shut me out. Now, give me a chance here. Just let me, let me talk for a moment. Inevitably, it all feels good at first until the drugs you're involved in form a habit that robs you of your family, your marriage, your children. 
or the alcoholism that you're addicted to now destroys any potential for any relationship. You can never get a job again. You find yourself undone, broken, living in a hotel somewhere, maybe on the streets. Or you're involved now in promiscuity because you definitely didn't want God to tell you who you could have the act of marriage with, inside or outside marriage. So now you're leaving carnage everywhere you go. And there are little boys and little girls who aren't going to have a mother or a father, at least never know them because you've moved on. You say, wait a minute, Jeff, are you telling me that if I decide to live in a distant land away from the Father, I'll automatically get into drugs, alcohol, and promiscuity? No, that's not the point. The point is this. Whatever your tendency, whatever it is you lean toward, that thing will become your God, and ultimately it will destroy you because it will never deliver to you what it promises. So God, in the parable, tells you there are two choices. You can live at home with the Father or away. And you get to the point when you're isolated from the Father that you feel isolated from everything else. And you will start to ask, does anybody really care about me? Oh, you'll have people around you, but you'll wonder if anybody cares. And if they didn't know your true feelings, would they be concerned? This is Today with Jeff Vines. The message is about running from God. Pastor Jeff reminds us God will not stop us if we want to live apart from Him because He truly loves us. Do you remember the name Madeline Murray O'Hare? probably one of the most famous atheists in America. The circumstances surrounding her death were suspicious at best. They found her diary and written at the end of it were these words. Would somebody please love me? Would somebody please love me? Now listen, here's what Jesus is doing in this story. When the pain comes, experienced with separation from God, it comes hard. And Jesus is going to ask every one of us, how are you going to respond? Here's what happens to him when he runs away from the Father. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. He's tired, he's hungry, he's cold, he's alone. But he has one of two ways he can respond. Now let me sustain this with a couple. Stay with me now. You ever had knee surgery? Raise your hand. Doctor told you it wasn't going to hurt, didn't he? It hurt, didn't it? Uh-huh. Friend of mine had knee surgery. Oh, it's orthoscopic. We just drill a few holes. It's all good. Then he went to the doctor the next day and he said, okay, doc, what's next? And the doc said, pain. That's what's next. But you have one of two ways you can deal with it. One, you can take pills and you can mask the pain. You can treat the symptoms. You won't be in pain. Or two, you can deal with it like this. Face the pain head on. How do I do that, doc? My friend said, the doc said, rehab. He said his first therapist for the first few days was a gentle and kind, empathetic woman <laughs> with a very soft touch and care and concern for all of humanity. He said, Jeff, there were tiny and slow movements and any discomfort on my face during rehab, she would just stop. If my face was contorted, are you okay? She would ease back and just rub my knee. It was all good. He said, not much pain, not much progress either. And then... Day four, therapist two, she was German. <laughs> Enough said, he said. There were these powerful, sudden, quick jerks all of a sudden, just stretching the knee, giving a stress test every one to two minutes. How's that feel? How's that feel? What about this? And he said, my face was contorting, but she wasn't stopping. Finally, I think I'm going to have to say something. She says, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. And she said, yes, yes, with alarming pleasure. <laughs> And enthusiasm. She said, feel the pain. Embrace the pain. Make it yours. 
The pain is our friend. He said, Jeff, lots of pain, but lots of progress. Now, here's my question. If God is a loving father and he really does love you and he wants you back home after you've chosen to live in a distant land, would a loving father just allow you to go on your way without making any effort to bring you home? Wouldn't a loving father do whatever it takes to get you to come home without violating your freedom? Last Easter, it was about that long ago, I brought this thing out. You know what this is, right? This is not a pet. This is, this is a fish. My daughter just had to have some. And, you know, here's what I learned. To these fish, I am God. I am. I determine whether they live or die. If I don't feed them, they die. I turn a little light on, turn a little light off. Turn a little light on, warm up the water, make it cold. But do you think I get any gratitude from these fish? They don't lick me in the face like my dog Milo does when I come home. No, they're not waiting on me. I go over to the bowl and they scatter. So I am God. I determine whether they live or die. Now, my little girl, Sion, had a goldfish. Its eye got infected. So what do you have to do? You have to quarantine the goldfish because the other fish will try to eat it and kill it when that happens. Do you know that? Friendly community we got here. And so... I'm going to dig my hand in and try to get this fish and quarantine it in a separate bowl of water. But what does the fish interpret my actions as? He's trying to kill me. And have you ever tried to catch a moving target? So I'm reaching my hand down in here. I'm trying to save the fish's life. Even though I don't really like him that much, I'm trying to save him. <laughs> he thinks I'm trying to kill him. And a lot of little goldfishes, I don't know if that's the pearl of fish, I don't really care, but a lot of little fishies a lot of them, they will actually die from a heart attack as you're trying to save them out of the bowl. <laughs> now, if the difference is that great between the fish and me, how much more difference is there between God and me? Can I ask you a question? Can I? Not always, but just something you got to consider. What is happening in your life right now that you're assuming God is trying to kill you when he's trying to save you? <laughs> you look at it, his hand coming down, trying to grab you. He's trying to pull you out of it a relationship, a job, an endeavor. I don't know. You think God hates you and he's after you, but in reality, he's trying to save you. Wouldn't a loving God do whatever it takes in your life, even inflict a little pain or allow some pain to occur if that's going to be what it takes to get you to turn your heart toward him? Is that an unloving God or a loving God? And isn't it true that God knows exactly where your breaking point is? Is it God's fault that most of us are so hard-headed that it takes a long time before we get it? Isn't, it? isn't it good of God to want to pursue us to a degree that he helps us understand that a moving target is almost impossible to hit, so he has to almost remove things so that we'll just sit down some point, come to the end of ourselves and say, I don't know what to do. Good. Now listen, he comes to the end of himself, does the young man. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. I told you we're going to talk about pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now hear me, in first century Jewish Gentile culture, if you wanted to tell somebody to go away, but you wanted to do it politely, you offered them a job that you knew they wouldn't take. 
And there's no way a young Jewish boy is going to take a job in a foreign land feeding the pigs unless he's totally come to the end of himself because he didn't want to really work for the pigs and make enough money to survive because feeding the pods to pigs, you can't survive. He was hoping to become an embezzler, an embezzler of pig pods. <laughs> and instead of feeding the pods to the pigs, he was going to eat them himself because he's that hungry. When God has him to the end of himself, finally, the young man in the story starts making his first good decision. He says this, you know what? My life's so bad. None of these things have delivered whatever all my friends told me they would deliver. It's just unfulfilled promise after unfulfilled. Yeah, it happens. It's nice for a while, but now it's all destroyed. I'd be better off if I go back and tell my dad that I'll, I'll be a slave. At least then I'll have three good meals a day and a warm bed. I won't get to have that intimacy with dad anymore. So he says, I'm going back. This is Today with Jeff Vines. That's all for today. Next time we'll continue running from God, why we do it and why we need to run towards God in faith instead of away into our own so-called freedom. But Jesus says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.